I'm guessing every parent in here has taught their children who are old enough to hear words and understand them. I'm guessing we've said, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Have we said that, parents, to our kids who understand words? How true is it? Sticks and stones may break my bones. We've taught our kids and we've tried to say, you know, someone throws a rock at you and breaks your leg. You can't avoid that. But, but this business of mere words coming out of their mouth? Seriously, that can't hurt you. What's wrong with you? But of course, in adulthood, is it true? Seriously? When she says that to you in that tone of voice, or he says it to you, or doesn't say it to you, because words are so important, you bet they can hurt you. They matter. We're so used to this idea that, you know, words are worthless. That we say another silly thing like, you know, talk is cheap. But show me. Okay, I'm not saying there's no place for those kinds of phrases. But does that kind of thinking become part of our fabric? And certainly then in the life of the church... We have to come to grips with things like that. Like saying that words don't matter. You know, talk is cheap. Like as if mere words that come out of the lips of a human and go into your ears, what can they do anyway? I mean, like, show me. If you're really the church of Jesus, then you ought to be proving it. You know, and there's a whole bunch of ways to prove it, I guess. You know, that we all look like we're super smiley, happy Christian people, never doing the wrong thing. Like we always say the right things to each other. Like the assemblies, always packed with that kind of people. And never do we do the wrong thing out there. You know, words, they're just kind of nothing. And yet, that's exactly the point that I get to say to you in the name of the Lord Jesus, who we've confessed already, lives and rules all things now and forever. I get to say to you, on the basis of our text today, that there's a voice. And the voice comes in the name of the Word to say, repent. All right, there's a word right there. Right? There's a word. And it means something, I'm guessing, in most of our hearts and minds that isn't as beautiful as the word really is. Metanoite is the Greek word that Matthew wrote. Metanoite. You know what it means? Shift your mind. But, you know, we're Americans, so when we talk mind, we quickly kick into, I'm guessing, brain. And we think about electrical impulses flying around up there because that's what we think about. Stuff, material, and that's real. Whereas words, not so much. Mind, 
in the, in the phrase, change your mind, change your heart, change your attitude. It's deep and complex thought in the Greek mind. And of course, here too, that's exactly why it's used. Repent, metanoita, means better than this angry thing that so often it sounds angry. Repent. It's change your mind. Change your attitude. Change your heart. That's what the voice was calling in the wilderness in the name of the capital W word to say. Change your mind, your heart, your attitude. It's a really fun thing to think about. It's really a joyful thing to think about. If in the changing of the mind and the heart and the attitude, there's something worthwhile to change too. Right? Merely saying, repent. Merely saying, change your mind. Change your heart. Change your attitude. Okay, it tells you the thing you should turn or the purpose or the idea you should turn from, but where, where do I land? Okay, I shouldn't be thinking that way. I shouldn't be thinking that I'm the holy person who's going to make myself right. What, what will I change myself to? And so we change. And frankly, that's become, that becomes the life of so much of what calls itself Christianity out there. There's this continual spinning, changing from this obvious sin to Okay, now I'm trying, now I'm changing from this. Well, but where do we ever end up? That's what the voice was saying. Change your mind, change your heart, change your attitude. The voice, John the Baptizer, out there in the wilderness, is saying there's someone to turn to. Someone who's not just words, thought, attitude, but who is the Word, capital W, incarnate. Who's the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the Lord God who had picked out His people, the sons of Abraham, as His covenant people. He didn't pick the Egyptians or the Assyrians or the Babylonians or the Americans. He picked out the Hebrews. Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob, who changed his name to Israel, and those 12 sons by four different women. What a fascinating truth by itself. And that's his covenant people that he reveals himself to to say, I'm your God and you're my people. I am your God. In this huge name that we've discussed two weeks ago that we can't even start to understand what the name means, much less how transcendent this God is. That's the one for whom the baptizer speaks out there in the wilderness. And that's the one for whom any prophet, any proclaimer gets to speak still today. Repent, we say, on the second Sunday in Advent. Change your heart. Change your mind. Change your attitude from your own invented gods. Invented in your image. In your likeness the way you think God ought to be, to this one John the baptizer is pointing to. And later on, he would point to him literally. He'd point to that flesh and blood creature walking over there, and he'd point to him rich with all of the picture and imagery of Scripture. Look, 
the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Words, mere words that point to the Word, the Word in the flesh, the same one that we just sang with when we sang the beautiful opening part of the service. So come Emmanuel, we said. God with us. Not just an idea floating up there in, up there in the sky, but God who is beyond the sky, beyond time and space. And yet, when he made the male and female human as the crown of his creation that's really here, and they rebelled against him, how does that awesome God, transcendent God, respond? With words. With a promise. Seed of the woman. This fleshy creature is going to show up someday and crush the liar's, the accuser's head. And so, that's all of human history. That's what the Christian church has to say about all of human history. We live and we move and we have our being underneath this awesome transcendent God who has words to say, who had words to say before the capital W word showed up, And since he showed up and got killed on the cross and then came out of the grave alive and now is ruling in the heavens, now again we're still at this stage where all we have to offer to each other and to the world out there is words. But not your invented words, not my invented words, but words that center in the capital W word, Jesus. The Pharisees and the Sadducees in Jesus' day came out to the baptizer in the wilderness. They were going to do, they were, you know, caught up in the religious fervor of the time. They're at least watching what's going on and John will have none of it. You come out here, I'm going to say the same thing to you. Repent, change your mind, change your heart, change your attitude. Because if you think, Pharisees, that it's good enough that you are the ones who have the Torah, the Old Testament Scriptures, and you think you actually keep them, I got something else for you that those Scriptures are actually about the one to whom I'm pointing. And you, Sadducees, who think that you are right with God because you're the true sons of Abraham, rejoicing in your ethnicity as the way that you stand before God because you're sons of Abraham, I got another thing for you too. Turn and shift your mind and your heart and your attitude. It's not unlike a heart that maybe shows up in the assembly and says, God, I thank you. I'm not like those folks who aren't here in the assembly. God, I thank you that I'm the one who regularly comes to the assembly. And I don't just come to the assembly. I participate more than that one or that one. And I participate in more useful ways than that one. I get a word to say to you. I have a word to say to you that's the same word that the baptizer said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Lord can raise up stones to become his children. And so our entire life, is it not, is one of turning away from your own gods 
turning away from the other people's gods. Maybe a bunch of people voted to say, he's our God for today or for this week or for this decade or the, this century. Turn away to this God who foolishly chooses to show up in word and in sacrament. To send words through the space in the assembly this morning to tell you that Jesus, by his perfect life and innocent death, is actually your righteousness. Something way better than can be seen with the eye. Something way better than can be heard with the ear, as Isaiah was saying. But it's real righteousness, the demand of the capital J judge of God himself, and he says it's yours. The forgiveness of sins is yours. I told you in the name of God. And what do you do with a promise? What do you do with words? You either take them to heart as truth or you blow them off as mere words. Talk is cheap. Human talk is cheap. But not the word of the Lord that centers in the capital W, word who came in the flesh, God with us. And when he came in the flesh, he proved himself to be the fulfillment of all of those Old Testament prophecies, the Lamb of God, who shed very real red blood for your sins. Hear it as the marvelous promise from the throne of God that it is. It means you are righteous. It means you get to hear over and over again that you're righteous until you get to see the face of your Maker. So stop trying to earn mommy's favor or daddy's favor or the boss's favor or society's favor. Stop trying to bow down before the gods that you invent and hear instead the Word of God as He comes to you in mere words but with words that give life. Life eternal and life in the here and now. This God comes to you with promises attached to bread and wine, which is foolishness. Oh, oh, what a silly idea. No, it's got to be something symbolic going on because promises attached to bread and wine, can that really forgive the sins of the sinner, me? And show me the face of a righteous God. I tell you in the name of Jesus, that's exactly what he says. We proclaim the Lord's death. The I am Lord's death. That shouldn't ever be in the one whose name is I am. And yet, that's the promise of God. Foolishness to the natural ear of the human. But by the work of the Spirit of God, they're words of life and peace and joy for you. And they're meant not for you alone, but for all those who are the humans floundering about and muddling through life. We get to have something that matters. And it's better than our actions. It's words of God centralized in Jesus Christ that actually did the doing for the sins of all of the sinners. Prepare our hearts for your coming, we prayed. Stir up so that in the darkness of this life we live in light. This is who you are, people of God. You haven't earned it. You haven't merited 
it, and you won't by your sincere promise, truly given, but I get to say it to you, and you get to say it to each other. Jesus is the Word of God in the flesh, and he came for you to set you free to live before God and to love the neighbors next to each other. It's a really important point at this point in time, I would submit, as we ask the Lord to send us what? The right dynamic package of skills and experiences in just the right pastor who's going to make it just right for us. Or above all, are we at this point in time asking the Lord of the church to send us a word servant, someone who's going to point us over and again to work with each of us and all of us and the neighborhoods in which we live to point them to the incarnate word, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, who didn't look like God with us, who looked like, you know, Jesus, son of a virgin who got killed in a way that's humiliating and the kind of way that would cause any of us to feel ashamed. That's my son up there. And instead, that's our God. This is what we're gathered around. Not Hirsch's word today, not Merton's word back in the day, not the new man that you're going to call through the Lord of the church today, but through the word of the Lord that gives that word to his church. And by the grace of God, you hear it, take it to heart. God bless that word to take root in your hearts and to continually shift you from anything and anyone else to him. Jesus Christ, the Lord of the church, your Lord too. Amen. Please rise.